Good afternoon, let's begin. Psalms 27. If you like, you can stand, we can stand together. Psalms 27, the Lord delivers and vindicates me. I fear no one. The Lord protects my life, I am afraid of no one. And when evil men attack me to devour my flesh, and when my adversaries and enemies attack me, they stumble and fall. Even when an army is deployed against me, I do not fear. And even when war is imminent, I remain confident. I've asked the Lord for one thing, and this is what I desire. I want to live in the Lord's house all the days of my life so that I may gaze on the splendor of the Lord. And I want to contemplate in his temple. He surely gives us shelter in the day of danger, and he hides us in his home. He places me in an inaccessible rocky summit. Now I triumph over my enemies who surround me. I will offer sacrifice in his dwelling place and shout for joy. I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear me, O Lord, when I cry and have mercy on me and answer me. My heart tells me to pray to you, and I do pray to you, O Lord. Do not reject me. Do not push your servant away in anger. You are my deliverer. Do not forsaken or abandon me, O God, who vindicates me. Even if my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord would take me in. Teach me how you want me to live, and lead me along a level path because of those who wait to ambush me. Do not turn me over to my enemies, for false witnesses have risen up to destroy and testify against me. Where would I be? Where would I be if I didn't believe that I would experience the Lord's favor in the land of the living? I tell you, people of the Lord, rely on the Lord. Rely on the Lord. Be strong and confident. I say, rely on the Lord.
Praise His name, praise His name, 
rising on the sun to the place where it goes down from the farthest reaching star to where I stand here on the ground from the rising of the sun to the place where it goes down from the farthest reaching star to where I stand here and on the ground I lift your name
objections I want you Spirit of God oh and no redeeming oh I want you I want you His Spirit of God blindly following blindly following you will give understanding but I choose you I choose you, I choose you, no exceptions, no objections, I want you, oh Spirit of God, and no exceptions, no objections, I will obey you, I will obey you, I want you God. I want you, Spirit of God. Come put, come put your name on this third temple. Going down at your feet, I cast all my burdens. Down at your feet, I cast all my cares. I want you. And you want me, and I want you. Oh, oh, lift his name, lift his name, lift his name. Praise his name, praise his name, praise his name. And in the highest heaven. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. Oh, within the depths of the sea, you are there. On the mountain and the valley. Oh. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says that Jesus is not a high priest, is not able to sympathize with our weakness. And a, the thing he was saying to me is that um, I want to bring some healing this morning related to the spirit of rejection. And um, that some of us have been dealing with this. And, and so we just want to take a moment here for this, for the Lord to... Uh, to, to help us in this. I want to just read to you a couple of things. Jesus, he faced rejection even by his own family members. It says in John 7, 5, that not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus didn't just face rejection from his family members, but he faced rejection even in his community. 
It says that when Jesus went back to Nazareth, the neighbors that he grew up with and his family friends took offense at him. Uh, Matthew 13, 57, that he was without honor even in his own hometown. And it says that he didn't do mighty works uh, among them because of their unbelief. Thirdly, Jesus faced rejection from people who claimed to love him. Uh, Judas's betrayal, uh, Peter's denial, but he saw it coming. But in his own humanness and in our humanness, we can still experience hurt. It says about Jesus that uh, he was troubled in his spirit as he foretold about Judas in John 13, 21. Think about this, that Jesus had just washed that guy's feet and it's gonna be the very person that's going to betray him. Even at the cross, even being very sorrowful, even unto death. And when he was sweating blood, he says, my God, my God, remember this, why have you forsaken me? Now, what I wanna do is, if, if, if this has been something that you're dealing with, I wanna open up the front for just healing because um, the Lord is just like, right now, just wants to bring some healing in here. And I, I wanna give you an opportunity to receive healing from rejection or betrayal. If you've been dealing with being rejected or dealing with betrayal, now you may think like, well, I don't wanna go forward, but please come forward. Um, because, uh, and, and uh, before the Lord here, because there's a time to be healed. There's a, a healing here for your soul, for what you've been going through. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse by taking it upon himself. He redeemed us to buy back, to accept, and to choose us as his own. And that's the opposite of rejection. And by the power of the gospel, we've received the spirit of adoption where we can cry out. You know this? Abba. He's my Abba. And I'm just going to pray over you that the spirit of the heart and the mind of the Father and his love would just radiate over you. Listen, because what a times when we're going through things and whatever you've been facing and going through, it just seems like it's just you versus the rejecter or you versus the betrayer or the person who's betraying and like nobody sees. And even as a good believer, you can't go around gossiping or slandering somebody else's name. So a lot of this you're internalizing, but you have a father who sees you and he loves you and he delights in you. And I pray right now by the spirit of the Lord for healing to come over your life. Healing that you would know that you're delighted in by the Father and that he sees everything. And he's with you. And he's adopted you as his very own. Yes, Lord. Spirit, just move, move. We're gonna take our eyes off of what the guilt, I'm gonna take my eyes off how someone's trying to guilt load me or trying to shame base me. And I'm gonna take my eyes off right now and I'm gonna look up into the heavens at the one, the one, the one who's paid every price, the one, the one who's righteous and holy and true, the one, his name, 
the man Jesus Christ. I'm looking unto you, my author, my finisher of my faith, the one who sees me right now, the one who knows me in my journey. May the spirit of the Lord, the life of God, may it circle in you and dwell in you richly. And may you experience peace, peace that passes all understanding, life of God in this room, healing, 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 healing. I receive your healing, Lord. I receive from you. I know you're sovereign. I know you're good. I know you see me. I know you love us, Lord. Oh, he's dancing over us, church, delighting over us. For you're my delight and my desire, says the Lord. And I love you with an everlasting love. Receive the goodness of the Lord. Be renewed in your spirit. Mm-hmm. Yes, Lord. There we go. There we go. Yes, you're receiving. Yes, you're believing. Up out of my circumstance into the heavens. Oh, I was made for you, Lord. Created for you. ever believe that you know he loves me he loves me not (laughs) anybody know what I'm talking about and then you'll feel your heart like go out and you say okay I trust you feel this little bit of trust come out this is what he's telling me like come on now and uh, do this Uh, take a deep breath Yeah, just take some deep breaths. Deeper trust. Just a sense of peace, a sense of freedom. Oh, he loves me.
yes. Mm, it's not too hard. It's not too hard to trust. I can go across the barrier again and again. Mm, yes. Oh. I've been let down, I've been let down, but I can trust you. I can trust you, Lord. Oh.
chapter 7 <clears throat> Michael lamenting the sin of Judah says that he was very discouraged he said indeed as, as it is as if the summer fruit had been gathered 
and the grapes have been harvested. But he said, there, there's no grape cluster to eat and no fresh figs that I've been craving so much. And Micah is waiting on the Lord, believing for his inheritance and in the land. And is finding some level of discouragement related to uh, the sin of Judah. There's nothing worse than believing the word of the Lord and not seeing something manifest itself into the natural. You know, to hang on to something over and over again, but you don't see that manifestation. That's what Micah was dealing with. And he says this, he said in his generation, um, uh, faithful men had disappeared from the land. Uh, there was no godly men left. They're even waiting in ambush so that they can shed blood and they hunt their own brother with a net. They're determined to be experts at doing evil. The government officials and judges are taking bribes. Prominent men are making demands and they do what is necessary to satisfy themselves. It could be, or it sounds like that what Micah was going through in his day, we're dealing with this in our day. He said, even the best of God's people are like a thorn. You know, every time I get around one of them, I'm bristling or being bristled. The most godly among them are more dangerous than a row of thorn bushes. The day you try to avoid by posting watchmen your appointed time of punishment is on the way and, and then you're going to experience confusion. He says, hey, don't even rely on your friend. Don't even trust a companion. Don't even share secrets with the one who lies in your arms. There's so much mistrust even in uh, the culture in that day. You can trust no one. Even spouses are dealing with mistrust, even at, at home, they can't even trust one another. They can't even reveal their hearts to one another. The friendships that, that they had longed for, hoped in, were always dealing in this thing. Earlier, we're dealing with rejection, betrayal. Every time I go to put myself on the line with someone, I'm getting let down. This was, a, this was the human cultural condition of the day that Micah was prophesying here for us in Micah 7. A daughter challenges her, her well, a son thinks his father is a fool. The sons are looking at their daddies and saying, he don't know what he's talking about. Now I'm gonna go and do my own thing. The daughter's even challenging to her, uh, to the face of her own mom, to not be in subjection or uh, to listen to her mom. The daughter-in-laws are rebelling against their mother-in-laws, being disrespectful within the family unit. A man's enemies are even his own servants. So the people that are being employed are even turning against the, their employers. 
then all of a sudden in the middle of this travesty of a nation he says but he says but he says but I will keep watching for the Lord and you know how easy it is to you watch the news and probably you shouldn't we stopped a long time ago I'm not telling you what to do but it doesn't really do you much good it's, it's not the news. But when you're looking at what's going on in our culture and you're looking at what's happening with friends and relationships and marriages and everything around us, I mean, it is like so much mistrust, so many problems, so much brokenness. Could there be a place where God's name would be? there be a people where could there be anybody that would actually give everything and follow the Lord he says I tell you what if you've ever been let down by a lot of people or been hurt deeply in your life and you have no one you feel like you can trust so many times people turn to other things to satisfy themselves and it says here, but I will, I will, I will take the watch of the Lord. I'll keep watching. I'm going to keep watching for you, Lord. And I believe that today, even these events that God has ordained that we're in, this is what is going on. I'm looking for you, Lord. Where are you at? All my expectations have been blasted. So many father figures in our culture let us down so much, so much, so much hurt, so much orphan everywhere. But I will keep watching for the Lord. But we, but we, in this house will hold the watch of the Lord looking unto the lamb who was slain for the sins of the world looking unto the author and the finisher of our faith he's real and though I've fallen I've fallen and we all have you know like guilt is trying to erode us many times of our brokenness from the past and though we've uh, let ourselves down and let other people down and not been the perfect specimen of Christianity maybe in our generation nevertheless though I've fallen I'm going to get up this habit happened to me and though I sit in darkness the Lord is my light (laughs) 
a heart captured, a heart his, a life, the life of God radiating, shining in the soul of man, a life of the Lord, a life of God in our generation, awakening inside of us, Christ in us, Christ in us, beaming forth, Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm coming up, I'm standing up, because I know, I know you, Lord, and I know you're the deliverer, and I know that all my hope is in you. You're the one who makes my heart steadfast, because you're faithful. courage take courage saints of the Lord and stand the watch of the Lord and watch watch the salvation of our God
shall inherit for all the promises of God are yes and amen unto the glory through you and you shall inherit for all the promises of God are yes and amen unto the glory the power of the Lord through you.
Good afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Man. Yeah, the Lord, he, he spoke to me. He said, hey, you know, make sure you tell them this. Uh, when we uh, come up to an experience like we just did, you know, so much is on the line. Uh, he said, but to let, us, to let us know that our inheritance is on the line. And that many of us have been, well, we have dreams in our hearts that the Lord gave us and planted in us from uh, years ago, uh, maybe even, you know, before we came into these bodies. Things that uh, we wanted to see realized, things that maybe haven't materialized in uh, your life yet. That you, maybe, maybe some of us have just a sort of a glimmer, or maybe a, a location, or a relationship, or something. But it, we know something is uh, there that um, is, is in front of us that the Lord has placed in front of us, and that we've longed for. That our our hearts are. Uh, fixed on him and uh, this fixation on on the Lord himself that he is and uh, also that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him that the Lord has wanted to bring and materialize things into this present realm for us uh, things that we've again that we've dreamed of and we've thought of and we've we've longed to see happen and we come up into the experience when Israel came into these experiences when they uh, were coming into the land of promise. Uh, they say, you know, send out the worshipers, send out the song of the Lord, and uh, you know they they would, and and Israel would come into like great inheritance and blessing and favor. And I believe this uh, today. He's like, you know, on the line in the midst of worship. You know, blessed is the man whom God credits his account apart from works. I mean, blessed is that man, Romans 4, that God uh, credits the account apart from works. And so much of our energy and our time and effort is put into so many things. And then uh, you hear this speaking of David, blessed is that man. Blessed is a people whom God moves and does things for us apart from our own energy uh, just because of being a loving father and that we could trust him like that. And that I believe that all transactions in the kingdom are born out of worship and they're manifest in reality when in the heart that trusts the father. The greater the expansion is the greater trust. The key is trust. The promise is born out of trust in relating with the father. It's up against the stops. There's no way to make anything happen. You're limited in every way. And to think that God himself would not place us in that position, yes, he would. If we wouldn't fight him, he would put us in an imposition so that we would be vulnerable and completely dependent so that he could show off and take care of you. He loves us like that. And he's demonstrated that love through the man Jesus on the, at the cross. But also... You know, even though he was, went through humiliation, um, now he's exalted, seated at the right hand of the Father. And so shall our life be in God. As Paul said, you know, remember he said that if, if there was just death and burial, 
that we would be a people utmost miserable. And so there must be a resurrection. And that resurrection is not a creedal statement. It's not just experience. It's not just experimental. It's experiential. The reality of the resurrected life of God operating through you to affect a life around you is God's intention, not just creed, not just creed, but real resurrection life, Martha. <laughs> you know, you think this is something I raised him from the dead. I'm telling you of a resurrection life that I have uh, for my people. I want you living out of this reality. Blessed is the man who God credits his account apart from works. It's the gospel. I just wanted to start with the gospel, you know, today. So um, I want to do something real quick to, like, congratulate our Star Child X uh, winners. And this challenge, I don't, um, many of you, I believe, got into it. And I just want to say to all of you, you know, congratulations for uh, going through that, and we had, you know, over 50 people involved in it, and you did so good, and I, I watched watch you, you know, on my phone or my laptop, and I'm like, man, they're doing so good, and I'm praying for you, cheering you on uh, to go through that. Um, Star Child X was developed just out of a morning walk with the Lord, and I was relating with him, and he said to me, he says, I want to, I want to take my divine nature and integrated into my uh, people's life, into their humanity. And what I, what I want you to do is design something with me that will cause that integration to uh, happen more fluidly. And um, because uh, there are areas of unbelief inside of us as people, and he's like, I want to enter into some places of unbelief where I can open up you know, new capacities inside and cause you to really develop and grow. And so um, I took that and, and went and developed uh, what was Star Child X. And I want to read you just a little bit of something uh, that I wrote up about this, and then we're going to bring up the, uh, those who had won. Uh, Kara, will you be, can you get the prizes? You already have them? I'll bring them around back. All right, and someone help Kara. Okay. I wrote, uh, well, I've, I realized after some time that many of us have struggled our whole lives attempting to figure out how to live a good life. And while many of us figure out some areas, other areas seem to fall short. Our family, our culture, our workplace, and friends all are offering advice in their version of what a good life should be. And what I've discovered is this. Jesus is the best model for real living, and he's the best objective example for all of mankind. While many people believe in Jesus, they don't find him relatable, or they think of him as an experiment, or that he's just another far-off historical person. Jesus' last name isn't Christ. He's not Jesus H. Christ. His Christology, his divine nature, is not only his, it is meant to be those he saves, ours too. And when we place our trust in the person, in his person, we become people like him. We're, we're not him, but we have our own persona and it's linked with his divine nature. Now, understand, and, and we went through 20 weeks in the collider with this, 
the, the Holy Spirit unfolded these 10 attributes of his Christology and then how they related into our anthropology or our, human, our humanness. I mean, uh, they're very interesting, fascinating. The very first one has to do with redemption and pardoning of our sins. And I think many of the churches sort of like hung out there. And that is something that the Lord has done for us. But as we went down in the double helix is what he called it, we found all these beautiful attributes that he wants to give to his people. I mean, one of them is like the ability to like know what someone else, to perceive what someone else is thinking so that you can speak properly to them. I remember that one. That was, I believe it was prolepsis. I thought, man, that is cool. Another one was how to poieo, had to do with the hand and how to uh, move around and find, you know, you remember that adage that said everything he touches turns to gold. There's, there's, a, there's a part of the divine nature that enables our hand to know where to go and what to do with it. There, there was these beautiful attributes uh, that he has that are that is freely given to us, that are ours. Um, when we're saved. However, they, they require a partnering with him and saying yes to him, of trusting him. And so even though the Lord has justified you in um, your salvation and elected you to be his, the process of sanctification uh, requires um, a yes or a no. And if you say yes to the Lord and trust him, this integration of this nature begins to basically take over of, of you as a person. Now, another big issue we've had is uh, this caused a lot of people problems is we've tried or attempted to be, not every one of us, some of us like our own persona, but some people think they would rather be someone else. And, and what we don't realize, and it's caused a lot of jealousy and envy among people, is, is that when God made you, he gave you a persona that he could integrate his divine nature into and activate your persona, and then you are a whole person. And then you can live in, ex in expanding the kingdom of God out of the life that he, and the way he's made you. And so um, I wrote this, walking on water or cloud riding is some serious stuff. What if it's just the joy of being delighted in by the Father? I mean, is Jesus' persona a concert pianist? Is he an NFL quarterback? Is he a Starbucks barista? Is, is he an extreme sports snowboarder? Is he an environmental engineer? Nope. No, he's king of the universe. <laughs> he has his own persona, and so do you. And so um, in the challenge, what, we, what I've done is... Um, put three sections together corresponding with the offices of Christ, prophet, priest, judge, and king. So it's, it's developed through soldier, athlete, and farmer. And also to deal with the basic cardinal virtues of prudence, temperance, justice, and courage. Paul wrote these words, I do all these things because of the gospel so that I may be a participant in it. Do you not know that all runners run in a stadium, they compete? but only one receives the prize, so run to win. Each competitor must exercise self-control in everything, and they do so to uh, receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. So he says, I do not run uncertainly or box like one who hits only air. Instead, I subdue my body and make it my slave, 
so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. <clears throat> so in the challenge, we, you had to go every day and you had to do, you know, certain tasks. And someone asked me, you know, why do you have all these tasks? And I, I could say it like this. The law is a schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. <laughs> so somebody say, Carol, I don't understand your wisdom in the orientation of the task. Well, that's the wisdom. The wisdom is, is that when you go to do the task, it will bring you to Christ. The higher wisdom is, I can't do this, or it bristles you. It's to bring and integrate Christ into you through the task. And so, uh, you know, thank you all, many of you all for just saying, you know, I'll, I'll do it thinking that what has he got into? Works righteousness again? No, to bring you to Christ. Okay, so I'm going to bring up uh, the winners who, and, and what they had to do, um, daily biblical meditation, reading. We gave them a reading assignment. They had to take the biblical meditation and reading assignment and tie it together into something called analogical analysis. Um, there was a, a nutrition plan. Uh, you had to go on zero sugar and less than one NSA or no sugar added. Uh, had to be active for 30 minutes a day. Uh, work, show up at collider events, uh, practice, the, uh, spend time on the Sabbath and, and rest. And so these, uh, the four that I'm going to bring up, uh, bring up two adults and two teenagers, they uh, had perfect score. And so I want to bring up Austin and Juliana Harris, yeah, maybe clap your hands for them. Yeah. I'm so proud of them. Is Juliana in the back? Okay. I'm so proud. These guys, too. Yeah. Yeah. You are awesome. They helped a lot. They helped a lot, yeah. Uh, Austin told me before the challenge started, he said, I will win this challenge. And uh, we, so yeah, probably, um, okay. I want to get Juliana up here. They're, they're getting her. Okay. While we're waiting, while they're waiting, let's just go ahead and bring the teenagers up. Uh, Drew Bryant uh, as, as the male and uh, Lydia Moffat as a female, if y'all want to come up. Yeah. Yeah. So proud of them. They've just done exceptional. I, I had a lot of people, had a number of people say, well, whatever, with the challenge or whatever. And I asked Lydia, I said, what has motivated you to do the challenge? And she says, well, I'm under authority and you're my authority. And because, you, because I am, that's why I should do it. And I was like, oh, man, I love you. I, like, really love you. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, when you're a dad or, you know, a pastor, it's like, yeah, you want the best for people. And so she said that to me. And uh, we were walking on the beach, and, and she told me, she said, you know, this has really changed my life, right? And, uh, you know, in a tremendous way. And so, so anyways, well, what I'll do is, is she coming? She's not going to be able to come? Kara, do you want to come and help me hand the gifts out? So we got them. We got them a Yeti cooler, one of the new, uh, new model Yeti coolers. I just we see Austin carrying food around everywhere, and uh, <laughs> and I'm sure they like to go, you know, camping and stuff. And so that's what we got for you guys.
Is that cool? Yeah, you're welcome. All right, bring Drew's out. Drew's a runner, runs for um, Montree, and uh, is like, yeah. So we got him some new, some new shoes. You like those? All right, all right. You're welcome. Okay, awesome. To run the race. And Lydia, she's a Porsche at, um, enthusiast. She wants a Porsche 911 Carrera, so we got to start somewhere. Is that, are you cool with that, Lydia? Yeah. All right. All right, give them a, uh, yeah. Congratulations, guys. All right. Yeah, awesome. Also, afterward, if you if you don't have your uh, T-shirt, make sure to come up, and uh, we have all of the all of your shirts, so we'll give them to you. All right, let's um, let's pray, Lord. Thank you for your word. Let's turn to um, Proverbs chapter four. I really appreciate last week, Rodrigo, he told me, he says, hey, Carol, if you get like stuck up there or something, I'm paraphrasing, he says, don't bother, don't worry about it, we can wait, you know, just wait on the Lord, just say what he wants you to say, I said, okay, thank you, Rodrigo, for saying that to me, I, I appreciate it, and especially in moments like now when I don't really want to say anything that doesn't come from the word of the Lord uh, to you, and so I've, I've asked him, I want you to go to Proverbs 4, so this is where we're going to uh, go into so many things going through my mind, but I have to steal the mind and hear the voice of God. In Proverbs chapter 4, it's an admonition uh, to follow righteousness and avoid uh, wickedness. And so it says, listen, children, listen to your father's discipline or listen to your father's instruction. Pay attention. Pay attention so that you may gain, um, so that you may gain discernment, or that you may gain uh, wisdom. Because I'm going to give you good instruction. Do not forsake what you're about to be taught. When I was the son to my father, I was a, a tender uh, child. When you look at the word tenderness here, it means to be beloved of. I was the, be I was the beloved of my, my daddy. I was like the only one. I was exceptional in every sense in the way that he viewed me. He longed for me and loved me and delighted in me. I was special to him. I was the tender only child. I was the only one, and I was, again, before my mother, and he taught me and he said to me, let your heart lay hold of my words and keep my commandments so that you may live. And this is the first thing he says, uh, verse five, he says, acquire, um, 
acquire means in like the field of acquisitions, if you're going after something, if you're going to procure something, if you're thinking about, I need something, the first thing he's telling him is, first thing that you're going to do as my son that's the beloved of me, the first thing I want you to go after, I want you to put up, is the primacy of your attention and where you're headed in life. Not, you know, well, son, what are you going to do for a living? I'll know that. Um, I want you to do this job. You know, you could be a basketball player, no, like me. You know, you could be a football player like me. You, know, you could be a, a doctor like me. You could be a preacher like me. You could be a, you know, whatever, like me. His daddy doesn't tell him that. His daddy says, first thing, I want your gaze not to be on your, um, he's not telling him uh, to put it on his work life. He's not even telling him to put it on a relational life. Like, go get you a good-looking uh, woman. <laughs> and in, in the reverse, you know, uh, go get you uh, your spouse. That's what you need to focus on. No, he's saying the first thing I want you to do is I want you to be an acquisitions officer. I want you to acquire something of high, high uh, prize. I want you to prize uh, wisdom above everything. I want you to acquisition wisdom. I want you to acquisition understanding. He's, so he's not telling him, I want you to learn how the, you know, the way Uncle Sam works and the way... Uh, financial markets work on Wall Street or whatever. However, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you that the thing I want from you, son, is to acquire wisdom. Now, um, in the writing of this, we're, we're going to meet this guy. He's, his daddy's going to die. The lamp of Israel. Who was the lamp of Israel? David. You know, they said about King David, uh, his guys, because he, he went out in his latter days because he had to deal with Goliath's brothers, and he's like, Get, let me at him, you know, I'm going to do something to him. And he's like probably in his 50s to 70s, and he's like, I can still fight, don't you hold me back, you know, I'm coming after him. <laughs> and he goes out and almost gets himself killed. The old guy, I don't know if he got geriatric or what. <laughs> Anyways, I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. <laughs> Uh, forgive you. Okay, I forgive you. Okay, thank you, Lord. I bet mean, he was, you know, I'm going to, I'll get out there and fight like the best of you. You know, my dad, he'll till tell me I can still whoop you, man. <laughs> yeah, he's big, Carol, and I'm little, Carol. <laughs> I can still whoop on you. And so um, his daddy goes out to battle. He's going to deal with Goliath's, you know, little brothers or his other brothers. And he, he almost dies in the battle. And and this statement is said, and this really struck me. It, it says about David, it says, one of his guys said to him, he says, no longer will you go out to battle for you are the, um, you are the lamp of Israel. And he says to him, he says, you're like worth uh, 10,000. Uh, one man is worth 10,000 of us. The, the nature that had been born into David as a, as a king had become so pristine and beautiful I think, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see this kind of picture in the Lord in like Song of Songs 5 where it attributes to the beloved uh, that he is dazzling, he's electrifying, and he's ruddy, he's handsome, and uh, that he has these two major qualities. And 
And David, with the greatness of the two qualities that he has, the dazzling, what I would like to call his Christology and his, his, uh, his handsomeness in his uh, humanity, um, this dad, this phenomenal dad, that's worth about $23 billion at this time, if I done the math or calculations right, that he had stored up. Anybody in here worth $23 billion? Not yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Ship's going to sail. It's worth $23 billion. You, you got to understand the stature of the man. I mean, even uh, our previous president, I think his, I don't know, his worth was about, I don't know, they said $5 billion. It may have inflated now to 10 <laughs> after COVID. I don't, you know. Let's just say his value was $10 billion. This guy that's speaking to the future king has got, and I don't even know that that's his household goods. He's worth about $23 billion. And it's this guy that's speaking daddy to a son. And, you know, I think that we, you know, a lot of us uh, might would listen. Um, some, some of us, I... We do okay in life, and someone else comes. How'd you do so good? You know, how how'd you get? How'd you do that? <laughs> I mean, tell me, how'd you get down the road? And it tell you everything, whatever. Uh, yeah, you know, I met these friends, and we made this business deal, and we did this thing, and then we got this thing going. I worked real hard, and I did all this, and I pushed through, and I got it happening, and and then this all worked out, you know. But th- th- this isn't what this daddy is telling. Uh, the future king of Israel. He's, he's not telling him that. He's telling him, the guy that's a multi-billionaire is telling his, his son, you know, acquire wisdom and acquire understanding. And I, I think from the Lord because um, that when we're talking about transgenerational uh, uh, blessing or transferring blessing over from one generation to, to the next, um, and, and what we would say or what we would try to maneuver into someone else's life, would this be like the first thing we say on how to deal with life? Is it, is it our first place of advice? Is it the first place of the seeking of the human heart that this is where we're headed? Because one of the, the wealthiest men that's ever lived, uh, Solomon, is going to take this advice from his daddy and he's going to go up uh, on, uh, on a mountain and make a sacrifice. Um, now, I want to try to work this out because that at every, like, at every, let me see if I can do this right, um, that at every place of revelation, where there's a place of revelation that leads to wisdom, there is something sacerdotal. Um, there is a sacrifice. And so what you're going to see is that when Solomon begins to climb uh, this mountain, which he's going to go to Gibeon, which was called a high place, he's going to go there and he's going to uh, sacrifice a thousand oxen. That's the equivalence, and I don't know what it is. I checked this a couple years ago, but let's just say it's the equivalent of about a million-dollar offering. He's going to make a million-dollar offering to the Lord, sacrifice a thousand oxen. Let's say they're you know thousand to twelve hundred dollars a head. I don't know what they go for right now. 
uh, what an ox would go out for. He's going to make a sacrifice, and at this sacrifice, uh, the Lord's going to appear to him. I believe it's in a dream. He's going to, you know, say to him, you know, what do you want? And um, many of you know the story. I mean, Solomon, the, the first thing he's going to say is, I need wisdom. I need wisdom to rule your people rightly. His dad's word here that is going is spoke of in Proverbs 4 is going to, like, be probably at the forefront of his understanding when he approaches uh, the king of Israel, the, our God. And uh, as you know, it, he's going to ask the right, make the right request. Every, every transaction in your life is going to work this way. And I, I, I want to try to put this together for you that um, Paul said this. He said, he said this to us. He said, take up your what? Your cross daily, what? And follow me. And I want to suggest this uh, afternoon that there is a process in life. And this is how, I'm not saying I'm all wise, but this is how I learned wisdom myself uh, or began to be entered into an understanding of wisdom. Was the Lord ordains uh, in our life crosses, he brings into our purview or into, into our um, life a place where we're going to um, answer to him and in some way you're going to lay down your life. Now, I, I want to say this. Uh, don't go laying down your life and become a doormat unless the Holy Spirit has led you that way. But don't shrink back from the uh, laying down of your life when the Holy Spirit leads you to. It's in that interchange, uh, in the sacrifice, the one the Holy Spirit leads you to. It's in that interchange that revelation comes. Well, I don't necessarily care about revelation. I don't know if some of you care about revelation or not. Like, I, Because a lot of people believe that revelation, what it is, is more information. But I, I want to uh, share with you that, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And that's written in the book of Revelation. Now, let me explain. When you move through a, an environment and you say to the Lord, yes to him, when he's calling you to something, it feels like, man, I can't do that, or I don't want to do that, or I don't want to answer to that cross. I'm going to feel humiliated there, or I'm going to lose something there. Um, because every time you come to that cross, you're going to face some kind of fear of loss or this temptation to try to do it with your own by your own effort. And the Lord will ask you to come through and trust him and, uh, in the losing of something of yourself. And then when you do, there's an interchange. There's always an interchange in the place of this uh, when we move into this. When you move in that way with him, there will be an interchange of revelation. What? What is the revelation? Well, it's not just more intellectualism, and it's not just an emotional fix. Here, here's the wisdom. It's the very appearance and nature of God being imprinted onto your very uh, humanity. There's a transference, not just of 
he appeared to me and he appears to me and he makes himself known. And then in the making of himself known, I'm changed. This God doesn't ask you to come to the cross and uh, relinquish something of your life that he's not going to give you more than what you relinquish. Um, uh, listen to this in uh, Psalms uh, 17. Psalm 17, verse 8. Uh, protect me as you would protect uh, the pupil of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Protect me from the wicked men who attack me, my enemies who crowd around me for the kill. Um, they're calloused and they're speaking arrogantly. They attack me. Now they surround me. They intend to throw me to the ground. He is like a lion that wants to tear its prey to bits, like a young lion crouching in hitting places. Rise up, Lord, and confront him and knock him down. Use your sword to rescue me from the wicked man. Lord, use your power to deliver me from these murderers, the murderers of this world. They enjoy prosperity. Now, um, what? You know, because it's, it's interesting to me because the Lord David here is tying together that, that this people that he's calling wicked are very much focused in entertaining the pleasures of this life. Their focus is just pleasure and uh, influence in this life. And, he, and, and David's saying, this is what has become an enemy to me. He's saying, I, I, this is crowding in around me that comfort and pleasure of this life is getting uh, into my headspace. Um, it's trying to crowd out what life really was meant to be. And he says, he says, you've even overwhelmed them with the riches they desire. And they have many children and they even leave their wealth to their offspring. Uh, I mean, today I think... It, I don't know about you, but when the Lord brought me to this text before uh, to, to, te to begin to teach me wisdom, uh, he said, do you see how this is trying to collude all of our mi y'all's mindsets? And I said, yes, Lord, I, I see what you're saying. What had happened to me, and this was kind of personal, I had, I had spoken arrogance to another person, and they quickly, like, rebuffed me, and it, and it sort of, like, threw me back on my heels for a minute. Anybody else ever done that? <laughs> Thanks, Stephen and Henry. But I mean, just spoken arrogance and someone does a correction and I feel it. And the Lord spoke to me. I said, oh, that hurt. And he said, well, you spoke in pride about whatever you can bring to the table or whatever. And I said, oh, man, Lord, I'm sorry. He said, well, he said, I don't know really why you guys get so wrapped up in this uh, blue and white collar thing. This is, and I said, uh, yeah. He says, I was like, everybody's wrapped up in the blue and the white collar thing. <laughs> you know, I'm like, he says this to me. He says, I don't know why you're so wrapped up in the blue and white collar thing when you could have the silver and the gold. He said, you, got, you guys have got so wrapped up in the blue and reds when you're purple. You've got your focus on the wrong thing. 
you know, and he takes me to this section. He's, David's going to make the juxtaposition between himself and people that are seeking pleasure and comfort at the expense of a relation with the Lord. And, and I love what uh, David says. I'm going I'm to change versions here. I think it's this version here in the Amplified Classic. It says, in the juxtaposition of himself, he says, as for me, I will continue beholding your face in righteousness. I will behold it in rightness, justice, right standing with you. And I shall be fully satisfied when I awake to find myself beholding your form and having a sweet communion with you. Uh, David now, uh, the man who is going to be leading this future king into what's the most important to him and teaching him wisdom, he's setting the, he's setting the, the difference, uh, the change here, and what I was speaking of earlier, that in, in the sense of I'm going to wait on you and I'm going to behold your face and in the beholding of your face, I will uh, be satisfied. When, when I wake up, when I come out of, out of this experience that I'm in, when, uh, when I come into this revelation of you and yourself, when I wake up in the beholding of your face, I will become like you. So I believe this is why uh, David's telling his son, hey, listen, whatever you do, son, go acquire wisdom. And again, and I'm, you've heard me say this already, but you're not going to find this wisdom by meditating on uh, what comes out of blue collar, and, and this is economics, the blue and the white collar. You're not going to find necessarily your wisdom there. You're not going to find it politically in the blue and the red. You, you find this wisdom in, in the waiting and meditating on the Lord and the relating with him in the middle of the contradiction that these other two things seem to be. Let me give you just a really simple example, and I've shared this example before. Kara and I, we go into Ingalls one day. She needs to get some flowers and um, because I forgot something's going on. And so we go over to, y'all go into Ingalls, and you go to the right right there, and there's that, all those flowers right there on the right. And Kara goes over there, and I don't know, maybe we had so much money to spend, and she says, well, I could take, like, some of the flowers that are, like, this one's a dollar, and that one's a dollar, and that's a dollar, and I could make me a little bouquet and put something together. And I was like, that's going to look horrible. <laughs> and I was just like, honey, why don't you get these flowers? She said, Psh, I'm not getting those flowers. And I mean, it's like a whole bouquet. And I was like, why? She said, they're cheap. They're like arrogant. They're like, um, how did she put it? They're like um, fake. It's like a whole fake thing. And I was like, but they look better than the little cheap flowers that you're trying to piece together. I was like, you should at least go for, I mean, at least the fake thing looks better than the thing you're trying to piece together. And um, we're sitting there, and anybody else ever gotten a conflict with your spouse? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I said to the Lord, I was like, what's going on here? And the Lord said, well, you got the blue and you got the red, you know. <laughs> I was like, so you're calling the red fake? He's like, yep. Are you calling the blue cheap? And he's like, yep. 
And I said, Kara, I said, um, really, what's in your heart? What would you really like to do? She said, I'd like to go out to um, our sister-in-law, Abigail's farm out here in Black Mountain, have her cut us a brand new bouquet of flowers. And the Lord said to me, he said, that's wisdom. That's the purple. That's the royal. And I realize, I've realized this uh, throughout life, that these things are coming up on us all the time and that we need this wisdom, be able to separate out, not just uh, socioeconomically, but also uh, politically to see that there's, there's another choice. I mean, um, I've listened to our kids, they come home because they get, even at, at their school, they get into these conflicts on politics like everybody knows what they're talking about and nobody knows what they're talking about. I don't think anybody does. It's like, I'm a fan of this and I'm a fan of that. And it's like, it's, you know, it's like, get wisdom. You know, because it's always like, well, if this doesn't work this way, then I got to choose it this way. And if this doesn't work this way, then I got to choose it this way. And, and here's the thing. No. Because there's a, there is a wisdom in God in the waiting in him and meditating on his face and really pursuing him that you, if you could wait instead of actively just moving on something too quickly, that he'll show you another path. I think a lot of what... Uh, the breakdown in our families and homes and the situation with our nation is because we've lost this wisdom. We've lost the pursuit of wisdom and the acquisition of wisdom. And, we, and so many don't even know what it is. I mean, because I, I want to say this to you, you won't know what it is. You, you won't know what to do until you wait on the Lord. Because wisdom is, first of all, dependent. Wisdom is a little child. Um, that's what Solomon, he said, said. He said, I'm but a little child. Wisdom, wisdom is childlikeness. It's uh, sort of playful, like Tom McManus. <laughs> it's, in, it's in enjoyment. It's not knowing what your next thing is that's going on. It's, it's almost like an unawareness. It's a, it's a complete vulnerability. It's a vulnerability without shame. It's just a wide-eye wonder at the Lord. It's just eyes on him. Many of us, we have... Some of you, you're brilliant people. You have mechanical ability. You have all these amazing capacities in you. But if you're going to go on with the Lord, we're going to have to wait on him. Wait on him and ask the Lord, I need wisdom in this situation. If you forsake not wisdom, back to Proverbs 4, It says that she will keep, listen, uh, defend and protect you. And she will guard you. 
again, one of the big things that we concern ourselves with a lot is, is protection, security. How am I going to take care of myself? What if this, and I, I feel like I'm being closed in upon, but it says that if you pursue wisdom, you're not going to be put out. You're, you're going to be taken care of. Uh, she'll keep you, it says. She'll actually not just keep you, but will defend you. That you don't have to raise up a defense uh, for yourself. You don't have to uh, fight for your own cause. You don't have to weaponize around yourself to protect yourself. Wisdom itself and the pursuit of wisdom will take care of you. And it will guard you. So you have this protection all around you. The beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. <laughs> I mean, this is like redundant, but get wisdom. And with all you have gotten, get understanding. Prize wisdom highly and exalt her, and she will exalt and promote you. So um, you're looking for that next promotion? You're looking for that next um home maybe that you're moving into, the next place, where, how, the, the next thing that you're advancing into, prize wisdom highly and she will exalt and promote you. And she will bring to you honor when you embrace her. And so you don't have to go about uh, trying to get your own honor, trying to get someone, trying to name drop or uh, Get more degrees behind your name. I mean, unless the Lord calls you to do that. My point is, is that you don't, your honor will come out of this. God will honor you. She uh, says that she will give you a head of wreath of, grateful, of gracefulness, a crown of beauty, and a, a crown of glory. And she will deliver you. Hear my son, receive my saying, and I love this, and the years of your life will be many. There's a lot going on in our, our day right now about how to, you know, increase lifespan. Um, there's people that are living in the earth, you know, up to upwards to 120 years now. I mean, it's very few, but th there's people that are, what are they called, centurions, but are over, living over 100 years old. You know, you might think, no, oh, I'd just rather die right now, but you don't. You don't want to just, like, let your life in. Why? Because in the ways of the Lord, because the Lord moves in sanctification, you don't want to miss the next advancement that the Lord has for you because what you take here on the ground in this life, in this earth, will affect you for trillions and trillions of years. Everything that happens now matters for all eternity. Um, you're in a divine internship. So you want your life to be, go as long as it possibly can. You want your life to be extended. And he says, if you listen to these sayings, so I'm, I'm going to give you honor. I'm going to uh, I'll promote you. I'll give you a full defense system. I'll guard you and protect you. I'll exalt you. I'll cause beauty to come on you. I'll bring glory uh, and deliver it to you. I'll crown you. I will cause you to have a long life.
Let's stand together. Now today, he said, I've taught you in the way of skillful and godly wisdom. Comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. Seeking to lead you in the paths of righteousness. So that when you walk, when you walk, uh, your steps are not to be hindered anymore. That you're not going to stumble. Uh, do this. Grab hold. Do this with me. Grab hold. Take hold. Take hold right now. Take hold of instruction. Do not let it go. And guard it. Guard her for she is your life. Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not into the way of the evil men. Avoid it. Don't go to it. Listen, don't go seeking after comfort and pleasure. Run to the Lord. Run, run, run as hard as you ever have into the face of the Lord. Uh, Run towards the Lord. Like let, let everything else like shake off. Let it just come off of you. Um, uh, sin that so do- easily beset us. The weights of this world that try to get a hold of us and entangle us and like shake it off. Like do it, shake it off. Yeah, I was made to fly. I'm not gonna stumble anymore. We don't have to stumble. We don't have to fall. We don't have to keep going down and trying to pick ourselves up again. Eyes on the Lord. Eyes, eyes looking at him, looking at you, saying, beloved son, beloved daughter, I delight in you. And the living out of the delight. And then he takes care of everything for us. Embrace your vulnerability. And embrace, embrace your dependency. Don't fight it. Don't try to protect. I'm looking at you, Lord, looking at me saying, this is my son, this is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Why? Because Christ, Christ, Christ's life being fully formed in your soul. Wisdom is not more intellectualism. Wisdom is not more emotionalism. Wisdom is beholding the very form and face of God. Beholding him when there's nothing else to behold, when everything is cleared off from the left and the right, and we're looking at him, looking at us, looking at him. And in that way, in that sacrifice is transference. In that place is revelation. Revelation to change the internal structure of your entire being to become more like him. And out of you then comes light. And that light transforms everything around you. Christ in you, the uh, the hope of glory. And while Stephen plays, let's come together uh, for communion and we'll take communion together as a family.
It's been crazy this whole life through And I just want to be more like you all of you becomes all of me I just sing fervently I've come into your garden Now I'm waiting for you, darling Searching every Until I find you, oh my Lord mm -hmm. Oh my love, you are diamond and you're my jewel I'm my strength and my purity you're the reason that I see I've come in to your garden now Darling, searching every tree and stone Till I see you, oh my God Later on in Proverbs 4.18, he says, But the path of the uncompromisingly just and righteous is like the light of dawn that shines more and more, that shines brighter, brighter until it reaches the perfect day. took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
He's telling me right now, he says, just tell them to ask me right now. Ask me for wisdom and I'll grant it. Just ask him right now. He said to me, he said, I will be a fire over their heads. I will illuminate their understanding. I will give them this wisdom. All you have to do is ask, James 1. Just ask. We ask you, Lord. And the Lord took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today. the night 